Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. I had the 7.30 a.m. Mass, and uh, I thought that homily was a dud, so I had to rework it for the, all of you at the, uh, the 11.30. So I poured a little warm gravy on it, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but this past week, I was uh, on Thursday and Friday, I drove out to Gettysburg, Maryland. I was doing a wedding out there. And I was with a bunch of my friends who I hadn't seen in a while, and I've missed them a lot, and it was great to see them. These are the group of friends that... Uh, were very instrumental in me becoming a priest, and I lived in D.C. for about a year, and they were all in D.C. interning at all the different organizations you can imagine, and uh, we used to get together every Tuesday, and we had, like, we called it family night, and the question was, who made the most amount of money that week to be able to buy the pizza for the rest of us, and we drink Paps Blue Ribbon and all this stuff, so uh, we're all able to have other beer selections now and other, something other than pizza, but uh, we were able to remember all those times. And it was that group that actually gave me my ring that I wear. So when I got ordained, they gave me a, a, a ring to remind myself that I am married to Christ and the church, that just as spouses give their whole selves to each other, that I would give my whole self to the universal church, to the church in the Diocese of Cleveland, and now as time goes on, it gets a little more concrete to St. Basil's. But they engraved on the inside, they asked me, what do I want engraved on the inside? And there's a quote, and then a Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word is hesed. And hesed is a very rich word in the Hebrew language that's meant to try to capture what is God like. And the word hesed fundamentally means steadfast, so unwavering, but there's all sorts of nuances so much so that in English, we have to use a lot of different words. Goodness, kindness, tenderness, love, and mercy. All five of those kind of capture what the word hesed means. Now for the G- Jewish men and women, they would have just said, God is love, which we hear all the time. But this is all the nuancing that they meant, is that he's unwavering in his goodness kindness, tenderness, mercy, and love. And so in the psalm today, when we sing, your love is everlasting, we could say, your goodness is everlasting. Your kindness is everlasting. Your tenderness is everlasting. Your mercy is everlasting. And I think you and I have no concept of what that actually means. Someone's love that is unfailing, unwavering, that the heart of Jesus for you and for me can get hurt. We hurt him. After all, it is our sins that he suffered and died for. We pierce him through and he doesn't get defensive. He doesn't retaliate. He's not looking to overpower us or hold it against us. In his heart, is the desire to heal us. To point out where we are making mistakes, where our shortcomings are, our sins and failures, but not to condemn, but to heal and transform. 
This is why there's some people in the church who don't ever talk to us about our mistakes and sins, but they don't understand Jesus' power. And then there's some people who only talk about our sins and mistakes, and they don't understand Jesus' mercy and the reason why he talks about our sins. It's only when these two things come together, his power to transform us and his mercy to do it tenderly, do we discover this Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday. It's not that, well, hey, everything you do is okay, he has mercy. It's, hey, can I help you? Would you let me transform you? See the wounds? In the gospel, he shows them his wounds. See, I know what you did, but I'm not coming after you to hurt you. I'm saying shalom, peace. But the word shalom means flourishing. I want you to actually be fully alive. So the things in you and in your story that lead you down the destructive path of sin, mistakes, hurting people, I can actually enter in there if you let me in. Just like he invited Thomas, touch my wounds. He's doing that to say, I'll let you touch mine. Would you let me touch yours? I don't do it to hurt you. Jesus isn't interested in condemning us. He actually has a steadfast love and desire to be with you forever. And so he wants to heal what's ever in us so that we can actually be with him forever and not be stuck in a habit of avoiding, pretending, and watering everything down. But here's the biggest challenge. I think in the church we are getting better vertically. Maybe over the last hundred years, we've really grown noticing that God has mercy on us. God won't hurt us. He is interested in forgiving and healing us. But the hardest part is actually in the gospel today where he says, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Go forgive. And this part we ain't so good at. Because Okay, I get why he'd forgive me, and I love talking to God about why those people hurt me, but now I'm sent back to them? Father, if you knew what these people did to me, you wouldn't say I have to go back to them. And let me tell you, first off, it's not Father Ryan, because I don't want to go back to certain people either. <laughs> it's Jesus. Why would he send us back to the very people who hurt us? Two things. Because he wants us to be like God. Jesus thinks more highly of you and me than we do of ourselves. He thinks you're capable of being like God. Of offering forgiveness, mercy, tenderness, goodness, love in a steadfast way. And he says, listen, I know on your own you're going to fail a million times. So I'm going to give you grace through my sacraments and through my church. So you can over time grow and become like God. I've said this before, but the early church didn't have Twitter, but they still needed to be very pithy because they didn't have a lot of time. And so when someone asked an early church, what did Jesus come to do? What was the whole purpose of him coming? And they had this phrase over and over again. God became man so that men and women could become like God. That's how they summed up Christianity. You get to become like God. How often we draw a line and say, oh, I'm not, I'm just human. 
Well, Jesus risen from the tomb shows us what human means. We are capable of glory and victory even over the deepest resentments and pains. So he calls us on this mission of forgiveness to go actually rather with zeal and joy to liberate others. To help others heal and grow so they aren't trapped in their own sins and mistakes. Just as he's liberated us, so we get to liberate others. We're a part of the recipe now of God saving the world. Each one of you and me by name is a part of this. Now there's an overt way with the sacrament of confession. But to save the homily time, there's a podcast on why go to confession to a priest. It's on the parish website, basilthegreat.org. Go right there. You can get a little, little, I think 10 to 15 minutes, I think, on why go to confession to a priest. That was a little infomercial. Back to the homily. Okay. But all of us, all of us are asked by Jesus, risen from the dead, showing us his tender wounds with utter kindness. Will you now go and forgive the people who hurt you? Because I have forgiven you. Now I want to make a lot of distinctions because oftentimes I sat where you were up until eight years ago when I got ordained and I heard priests talk about forgiveness and they're like, go, do it. And you're like, uh. Let <laughs> me make a few distinctions that can help. First one is forgiveness is a process, not a one-time event. It's not like you just sit in your pew today and go, okay, done. Everyone's forgiven now. No, it, it, it's a process of discovery that, boy, that really did hurt me. And choosing to say, I don't want to hold this against someone. And so I need to kind of chew on that and work through that. So it's a process. But one of the things I have found most helpful came from a wonderful uh, Catholic psychologist who said there's a distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. God does both perfectly. We need to exercise some caution and prudence. Every one of us needs to forgive everyone who hurt us. It sets our hearts free from imprisonment. There's actually been studies done. done. There's less anxiety, depression, anger dissipates, an increase of hope, peace, joy, and greater satisfaction in relationships for those who work on the forgiving process. Why? Because we become more like God. How does that help? You and I are made in his image and likeness, so it ends up restoring us. But forgiveness is a way of freeing not only ourselves, but the other person. It says, I won't hold this against you anymore. In fact, I've worked hard enough to develop affections for you. I want you to be well. I want you to know joy and goodness. I actually want your shalom, your flourishing. That's how you know you've forgiven someone. You've gotten to the point where you really want them to know the freedom of God as you've known it. Reconciliation says, and now we can hang out and be friends again. Some people aren't capable of relationship. Their wounds and their life story are so bad, and their reluctancy to work through them has made them just unable to enter into a relationship of love and truth and integrity. And so when there's people in this category in your life, we still need to work on forgiveness 
but we hold off on reconciliation with them until they've shown us they're ready and they're capable of relationship. So we pray for it, we hope for it, we're open to it because we've done the difficult work on our end of the relationship, but in regards to them, we may not be ready. They may not have done the difficult work yet. They might not be able to see. And just like Jesus says on the cross, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. They're blind. And so we pray that Jesus would work on them. But in this Divine Mercy Sunday, yes, God loves us. God has mercy on us. But he also says, if you really know you're forgiven, if you really accept the gift of my mercy, would you show it to others? Would you be my hands, my feet, my heart, my voice, my eyes out in the world so that this world doesn't keep going more and more polarized? But across the aisle, we offer forgiveness. Across the blogs, we offer forgiveness. In our own families, we offer forgiveness. Reconciliation, maybe not yet, but at least we would say we know the risen one, and that's why we're able to forgive. Amen.